welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 171 and we are going to talk about rewriting your sitcom script. Uh, this is something that happens a lot because, do you know what, Dave? Um, the script that you write isn't perfect, is it? Um, funny you should say that, James, but uh, I've just, I have literally just finished writing a, a, a first draft of a script and, um, and, you know, I cannot at this point make it any better than it is, I'm sure, until I send it off, at which point I will uh, think of a hundred ways in which to make it better. I, well, I think, I mean, that's the Steve Moffat thing. Go back and listen to our Steve Moffat, Moffat episode. But I think there are maybe two kinds of writer. One who sends it off and the moment they send it, they go, oh, hang on. And they want to go back to it. And there's another which is, it's perfect. And if anyone criticizes it, their notes will be unhelpful and unreasonable and idiotic. Um, I, I think just you know, before we get into the, the main uh, detail of it, the, 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 it, the thing is, this is a, a, something that is hardly uh, talked about at all. But all the people, you know, most of the people who listen to our show and a lot of people who want to become writers, and, you know, there is a massive industry out there, write the perfect script, do this, do that. But we never really... Um, talk about you know rewrite the script which is actually if you think about the point from which I have this I've had an idea uh, to, and, and we'll talk about the difference between that and writing a, a, a script for something that's already exists but I've had an idea too and now tonight on BBC One your idea you know there's like about a th if you're lucky that's like a minimum of two years and you know that the amount of changes even from the 10th rewrite of your script to the point at which it goes out the uh, the filming the editing the post-production whatever you know it's gonna change and it changes and changes all along the way and yet the whole mindset of people starting out writing is about writing the first draft as though that is the be all yeah and I think yeah it, it, we, we we place too much pressure on that first draft and I think the reason we do that, though, is because the only way of getting through the day is to pretend that that first draft is perfect. And you have to keep tricking yourself uh, that it's perfect. And actually, do you know what? This first draft, I might have actually cracked it. And then you get the notes and then you go, oh, yeah, no, that OK, that doesn't work. And that, the, OK, the ending is ridiculous. And OK, yeah, no, I can fix that. And OK, that joke's not so funny. OK, right now I fixed it. OK, now, I mean, obviously, draft one was a disaster, but now I've definitely fixed it now. And then you get drafts, you get three, third set of notes or whatever. And then you have a read through with the actors and there's this joke desert, you know, of about four minutes, you know, maybe more. And you think, this is a disaster. Who wrote this? This is terrible. Oh, I know. And I need to fix it. Those actors are terrible. Those jokes yeah. are really funny. What's, what's, what's wrong but with in it? In a way, it's so, yeah. And, but I, I agree. I think the whole industry, as it were, is pointed towards that first draft. And actually that first draft really is base camp. And you only really stop rewriting uh, when you run out of time. You know, I, I've described the script before as like a flowing river. It's just, it's constantly moving. And then the, the only point where you stop is when you filmed it or even when you've transmitted it, because, you know, by that point, you can't edit it any further. Mm. Um, and I think, so I think just uh, yeah, another point to say as well is that actually, you know, from the point at which you say, I've had an idea to the point at which you actually sit down and type the idea that is all you are already rewriting you are yeah. you're taking the thing you know something in your head 
oh yeah, bloke, uh, and he's got this thing that's about him. And then you sit down and you start typing, and actually what you're typing is already a kind of refinement of those sort of six words that popped into your head. So rewriting is just happening all the time. Yeah. I mean, one thing we should probably start on uh, before, because I know you've done a couple of blogs about this, and we'll uh, get a link to those in, in the show notes. Um, but one thing that occurs to me is, the problem that a lot of people are finding, especially people listening to this show, they're trying to get into script writing, sitcom writing, is nobody gives you notes and production companies say, hey, do not send us your scripts. Uh, and so you're really struggling to get notes. Um, now, you can pay people to get notes, and that's something that you and I uh, occasionally uh, do a bit of, and that's all fine. But actually... There's the one thing that you, the one or two things that you can do in order to get a bit of perspective on the script that you have written. And the sort of the two obvious ones, I would say, is one is um, sticking the script in a drawer and thinking about something else and do something else. And then come back to it a week later, if you can, two weeks later, and l l look at what you've done. Uh, you know, and just sort of read it again. Try, try and clear your mind, do something else. Finish it before you go off on holiday and then don't think about it till you come back from holiday and then read it again. Um, ideally, I always say print it out and go to a cafe and get a pen and then make notes on it. Um, and that will expose some pretty serious problems or bits where you think, well, that joke doesn't even make sense. I mean, and I wrote it and I don't understand, you know, so... There might have been some joke creep where you sort of needed to know the joke that was deleted in order to get the joke that's currently survived or replaced it. Uh, have you ever done that sort of thing, Dave? Oh, God, yes. I mean, I've literally come back from doing that, from uh, having put the script down for two hours and come back to something and read. I thought, what, what is that that I just typed? two hours ago well and it took me a while to remember that actually oh yeah that was from the that was from when the joke was this but that joke has changed now exactly that as you have said it i yeah. mean uh, you know just celebrate the moment from what you were just saying that that we can actually go to cafes now i mean for the last year and a half <laughs> we haven't even even been had that luxury you know so yeah um, so i think so yeah. that would be one thing is just give it a bit of time let it prove in the draw and then bring it out again and you know bits of it might surprise you one bit of advice i'm saying to don't do i i wouldn't give it to a friend to read unless they're experienced at reading scripts because i think they will their advice is either yeah you well done it's brilliant um or it's i didn't like it um and neither of those two things are actually what you need the only thing you could do is get them to read it and get them to say did you understand it did you know what was happening um, uh, or, or have I completely overworked it to the point where it's sort of baffling? But actually, I think one thing you could do, and I've, I've done this once or twice with a script that's really starting to get slippery on me, is I've um, grabbed a script and then I've just tried to summarise each scene. I've started a new document. I wrote the script usually with a scene-by-scene -scene outline, but the script I've now written doesn't necessarily resemble that scene-by-scene -scene outline as closely as I might have thought. So when you actually go back and you look at what each scene is actually doing, what it turned out that that scene was going to do and whether that's useful or not, I think might be one way of just kind of giving yourself some notes um, on the script. Uh, so anyway, that, that would be one of my 
uh, one of my my tips. But you've thought about this a lot, Dave. Yeah. So what, what, where, where do you want to start? Well, that's a really just just off the back of that. I mean, I hadn't thought of that. That is a really good idea, and that's something that I I, I, I will think about. I mean, I did do uh, a whole series of emails about a year ago um about how to, uh, uh, how to write a scene and we did this you know did this competition the, the scene writing competition and actually thinking about it that's a very good uh, version what you've just said there is um cause when when you write a scene you want to uh, you want to know what's happened what happened in the scene before what's going to happen in this scene and what is that going to trigger to happen in the next scene so you want to be sure you've got a a, a constantly moving uh, story so yeah i mean the um the point that you made there about asking someone for advice who's not necessarily someone who knows their way around the industry um the the problem with a script as well is it, it it's not like a it's not like a novel or something it's not a piece of work that you would you know you don't go to a library and borrow, borrow a script or well, some unless it's a script library but you know you don't you don't read scripts in the way that you read books or watch movies you you know it, it's a, it's a cross between a a, 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 a novel and or a short story and a, a, an instruction manual so yeah if you like don't really understand blueprint. instruction man you know if you're not versed in the instruction manual but I do think it's a fair point what you say there about you know if you are going to get somebody who is who is a friend or someone who's not in the industry, you know you don't want them to be uh, bothering about the, you know what what does exterior mean and why does it matter you know what's this sort of uh, uh, what's this shorthand that you that you generally use just say to them yeah just read it and I just want to get are you do you get the gist of what's going on and i think that is a really important thing because uh you know because there's got to be clarity in your story and, and again you know a thing that often happens i'll read a script you know there's often various things that are kind of problematic but invariably there's there are three possible things that aren't, aren't working it's the same things almost every time when i'm reading a script either the story is not clear uh, if there is a story in that particular episode. Um, something about the characters is wrong. I can't quite work out what do the characters want uh, and wh how are they trying to go about getting it. Or the world that you've created isn't quite right. So those, I would say, those are the kind of three main things that I see over and over uh, when I read a script, do you think would you agree with that, James? Yeah, I mean, and also it's just the usual problem of of the premise and the pilot. It's like the premise of the show should not be the plot of the pilot. Um, and I, I wrote a, a blog about this uh, very recently, uh, which is probably worth just re repeating about why writing a spec pilot script is so hard. Is because you're actually doing you're doing two things both of which are hard you're writing an episode of a sitcom and you're coming up with a brand new idea for a sitcom and so therefore because because in in the old days uh, in america at least you wrote a spec script not to get work on the show that you're writing a spec script for a speculative script so this is my episode of frasier and that demonstrates to the showrunner of a new show looking for for, for new writers 
that you know how to write in someone else's voice and you can write character and plot and execute, that you've got the basic skills to get you there. And then they might hire you and you'll hone those skills over the next three, four, five years. And then you might get a deal with the studio to pitch a new show. Uh, but you've already got the craft of making a sitcom episode work. But now you've got the even harder task of coming up with a show that may or may not work. And it's a bit like I said, you know, part one is like baking an excellent cake with good branded ingredients that you've basically been handed. That's your spec pilot script. Part two, coming up with a new sitcom and writing that is like baking an original but kind of familiar cake with ingredients that you found, grown yourself or produced that may or may not turn out to be flour, egg, sugar, butter and whatever else you decide to throw in because, hey, it's 2021. You put it in the oven and hope for the best. So most new shows don't work because that second job of coming up with a show is the hardest thing to do. But you're expected to do the, the hard thing of writing an episode and the super hard thing of coming up with a show and combining those two things in one. And that's your spec script calling card. Hey, look at me. I've got a great idea for a TV show and you should hire me to work on your existing show. Um, and what then happens is, and we've just been talking about it on a Patreon podcast. So we do a first 10 pages read of people's uh, scripts and we do a little mini uh, episode about it where we talk about it and, and Patreon, Patreons can, can hear that episode. Uh, so do join us on Patreon. That's the moral of that story. But we came across this problem of the premise of the pilot and the plot of the pilot were the same. And that's not quite right, is it? Um, so because we're reading an awful lot of pilot spec scripts, so this is the first episode of a series, that is a unique problem to pilot scripts is there's no actual story. It's all really setting up the premise of the sitcom, uh, which doth not a story make. Uh, so anyway, maybe that was an unhelpful sidebar, but this is this is probably one of the main reasons why your script needs rewriting is because you've set up a sitcom, but you've not actually told the story. Fair? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think also uh, as, as a, a part of that is that uh, you um, you don't necessarily know that this is what you're doing, but actually sometimes what you're coming up with is a movie. Um and, and you know we we don't know we we don't always know what we're doing but you know movies novels dramas yep. uh they, they well i had this the other day um so sorry to plug my another thing uh, my video course writing your sitcom uh which you can get hold of where i go through those sort of 12 steps with videos and other supporting materials and stuff um somebody did the first few lessons of that and I did a Q&A Zoom session with them as it was part of the course and they said, I realised I was writing a play and I'm going to put it on uh, because it was she was more interested in the idea of it that she was exploring rather than the characters. Um, and actually sitcom is about the characters. Uh, and so she's now come up with a new show which is about characters rather than uh, exploring an idea. So... Plays are very good for exploring ideas, um, but sitcoms are about characters um, that we see yeah. time and time again in different but similar situations. So, I mean, here's a few little things that you can do uh, while you're, you know, have, when, when you look at your script uh, and the idea that James had is a very good one about, you know, kind of doing, do, 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 doing a post outline 
uh, as well as the actual outline. Um, just just look at it. Um, have so just ask these simple questions. You know, have you got one main character or possibly two main characters who are driving this story along through their actions? And are these actions are they making things worse as the thing goes along, or occasionally better and better and better to to a point where all is going to be fantastic and then falls apart but most of the time it's making things worse and worse and worse so you're going to get to a point three quarters of the way through where you know it's all going to fall apart and and i'm not just saying oh oh god that bad things happened you know something bad's happened here you know we kind of almost want to see the world literally fall apart we want to see something where <clears throat> you know the person is actually actually i'm arresting you for x or you know you physically mm. want to see the worst thing that can happen um so that's the first question really to to ask you when you look through your script um as james says if you can get some actors to to read it that'd be brilliant you know um and you do have to you you have to leave your ego behind when you do that you know because you have to you you have to try and listen to someone else you have to just pretend that it's not your script you know that you're watching someone else's script and you know don't feel that pain when that brilliant brilliant joke doesn't get a laugh um just think okay moving on the next thing what's let's let's wait and hear what's the next thing that's going to work okay mm. i'm waiting and waiting or maybe you know Oh right! Oh well, that's good. That's okay. Just try and be, you know, just try not to be so emotionally involved in it, which is really, really hard because you've just kind of given three months of your life or whatever to write this script. Um, so those are the kind of that those sort of some of the things um, that you uh, just just will help you when it comes to the next draft. Really, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to just be honest about circle in a red pen where does the plot start where does the main character say i'm going to do x by y or else z you know if i don't um if i don't manage to uh bake that cake by 6 p.m tomorrow that will make my sister happy uh, then i'm going to have to move to siberia um, so we kind of know, and, and that, that really needs to be happening on page four, not as is often the case on page 11, uh, and a third of your script is already gone. Uh, so just think, how can I get, how, how can I get to the, to that faster and just work out, you know, other pre-flight, no, pre-flight checks, post-flight checks. Could this scene be shorter? Every scene that you've got, what's the point of this scene and what do I actually really need? Uh, you can probably cut four lines from every single scene and you won't notice. So therefore, you probably should. Um, and I think, you know, don't cut out really good jokes, obviously, unless you absolutely have to, unless it's in a redundant scene, because that will be obvious. And I'm just reminded as we talk about this of, um, of Mitchell and Webb. Uh, they did an interview on Chortle a while back. This is... Oh, goodness, 10 years ago, nearly. And this is one thing they said about uh, Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong's writing, who wrote uh, Peep Show. Uh, Mitchell says, the key thing with Sam and Jesse's approach is to get the story right. They spend, a, they spend a lot of time on the structure of the story. Then it's almost as if they treat themselves to dialogue at the end, 
which is the opposite way round to whenever we've done stuff, says Webb, when we've done it one joke at a time. And then here's the key thing. They'll throw out anything, however funny it seems, if it doesn't fit what they see as the right arc for that story, episode or series. They'll throw it out without a qualm. And then Webb says, they're amazing rewriters. That's the trick. Be really unprecious about really funny stuff. So, uh, and then Mitchell goes on to say, it's also the difference with us being writer performers. We got into this to go on stage and make people laugh then and there. And if you've got something in your hand that you're 90%, 99% sure will go over well and get a laugh, you're reluctant to throw it out. Sam and Jesse have never been on stage getting laughs, so they can be a lot more ruthless with what they'll throw it. Um, it will throw out. It's such hard work to get the structure of the sitcom right. You have to think how we're going to get him from A to C and they just sit there and think hard. So that's a real lesson in two very fine comedy actors and comedians saying why some excellent comedy writers are so good is they throw out stuff that's actually good, but it's not necessary. So if you're going to make your script better, everything has to line up with the story and your characters and the premise. And if it doesn't, it's got to go. Yeah, I think that's a, a really, really good, really good advice there. And that's, uh, mm. you know, two, that really good point as well that Jesse and Sam, they are just writers, you know, well, I say just writers. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've created some amazing things alone and together, you know, um, and um, that, that's, it, it, that, that gives us hope you know, for who, those of us who are mainly just writers, um, you know, that, that it does, it does still happen. Um, yeah. Surprise, surprise. What I, I was just thinking about that as well. And I was, I was just looking up as well. Um, we've, we've talked a lot and I think it's episode 121, the rules of sitcom, uh, where we talk about, uh, the things that we always do when we're starting out and writing a script, and I think this is this this is a very sort of crucial aspect when we think about uh, rewriting, and this is something that that I've been uh, very much aware of. I've just been writing a, a a pilot script, and I've been kind of following f following the Dave Cohen guide to uh, which I've been doing for just just over a year now, with about sort of sixty or seventy people over that time of you know, write a sitcom in eight weeks and uh, week one do this, week two do that. And, and I finally thought this time around, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do it as well, you know, see what it's like. And uh, bloody hell, it's hard, isn't it, James? <laughs> Writing a sitcom. I didn't realise it was so hard. Um, but one, one thing that I've definitely learnt in the process of doing this is those, those big questions that you ask at the beginning and you spend loads and loads of time on... Um, actually you don't you don't stop with them once you get down to the thing about your characters and your plots and your outlines you need to keep going back and this will help you in terms of uh the rewrites because often one of the problems i get when i when i see a, a script when someone sends me a script uh for a critique uh and i'll say you know what's it about and you I've always thought, what's it about? Well, that's the easiest question, isn't it? You know, it's about a bloke who runs a hotel in Torquay, or it's it's about the the home guard during World War Two. But sometimes I'll get a script, and there's kind of there are actually two what's what's it's what's it abouts in there, and they they're related, and you know it's it's not a problem that they're in there together, but 
it's obviously the person who came up with the idea said, oh, well, it's about this and this. And then in the process of writing, getting through working out characters and things, they thought, oh, and this is a really big aspect of that. Um, but they didn't go back and integrate the two things. So it's sort of these two things that are very similar, but they're kind of running in the same sitcom. Yeah. And so there's a big story kind of running down here which is all fine and great but then there's also the big character thing that's there and there's somehow because they haven't revisited the what's it about while they were doing the first draft so that's the thing that uniquely can be doing is um you know think about and i sort of think about an example trying to think of how to express this and maybe i was thinking uh like let's say somebody uh pitched in an episode of miranda uh which was would be like oh well, right okay in this episode of miranda uh miranda's mum gets a new boyfriend and you might go yeah actually that's not that's not bad that's promising whatever da, 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 da. but you know well, well what about miranda <laughs> you know it's not really about her, is it? It's like, so, nice idea, but yeah. it's going to be a, like a C-plot at best, you know. Um, well, and, it, and, it, and that show, that episode can only be about Miranda is scandalised that her mother has a new boyfriend. Yeah. Um, is because, because all the plots of that show are based around Miranda, so she's in all the plots. And that was established as a rule. So it may be that a plot has snuck through that isn't based around her, in which case that's got it's got to go. And I think what you're saying there is really helpful that sometimes you have an idea of what the show is and you discover in writing what it's really about. And you need to cut away the stuff that got you there. Thank it. Give it the full Marie Kondo treatment. You know, hold it in your hand, say thank you, and then hit delete. And it's a bit like, you know, Hut 33 uh, was my... Um, second or third show on radio four depending on how you slice it um and it was a sitcom set in bletchley park during world war ii and i was originally attracted to it because it's a it's a complete home of geeks of super hyper intelligent geeks um who are very very often very bad with people very good with numbers and all that kind of stuff and i did loads of reading around it um and i thought oh this is kind of a show about super clever people and actually, I discovered, A, if everyone's clever, then no one's clever, if that makes sense. So no one's exceptionally clever there because everyone's exceptionally clever. You'd need to be exceptionally, exceptionally clever. And it's virtually impossible to relate that um, in, in a show, especially given the fact that code breaking is really, really hard to explain. But then I realised that the show, with a lot of help from my wife, actually, who is much more interested in social history, we were talking about how after World War II, Winston Churchill loses the election because suddenly everyone's seen how the other half lived and they are horrified. And so actually the sitcom is about seeing how the other half lives. And so it's about um, Archie, who is a math genius from Newcastle, from the grammar school, who's worked his way up. And it's about super privileged Oxford Don, played by uh, Robert Bathurst, um, and it's about the fact that one of the, you know, his world is receding and Archie's world is coming because we're about to elect a pretty much socialist government. Um, and so it's it's basically a class war show. So therefore, I, I can still have a bit of geekiness in it, but that's mostly got to go. Um, so you just want to make sure that you don't have hangovers from previous incarnations. And, and that's that's the expression that my writing partner, I use Richard quite a lot is like, 
when 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 a line is quibbled in notes, occasionally we just go, oh, oh yes, oh no, that's a hangover from a whole subplot we had about a sack of potatoes. Oh yeah, no, that doesn't really make any sense anymore, does it? You know, we'll, we'll delete that. Um, so yeah, you have to make sure that the show that you're trying to write is the show that's on the page and you want to get rid of previous versions and relics and you know you, you don't need to pay homage to what got you there the audience doesn't care um, and you can make it you can you can put all that in a dvd commentary uh once your series has been commissioned and broadcast not that we ever got to do a dvd commentary on bluestone 4-2 but just saying are you listening bbc whatever the equivalent of bbc <laughs> worldwide. worldwide is now yeah whoever yeah. whatever they make uh they probably yeah. don't make dvds anymore do they no. um but yeah that's and that's a really good uh point you know the the how and how many times you know when i read a script now and and uh i can't i come back to actually um the thing that's that and in fact i did it myself yesterday <laughs> on the script that I've been working on, I suddenly, I had this character uh, who was uh, in a, a middle-class job. Um, and then I just suddenly started hearing, hearing Ray Winston saying the lines and it just completely transformed the character. It's completely transformed uh, the story. It's, it's, it's changed something totally. And it's, and it's a show about class, and uh, I never, I never imagined that it was a show about class, or that it would be a show about class. But you know, here we are again. It's another sitcom, and and you know, all the best British sitcoms really are uh, are about about class. And that's yeah, I mean, that's a, an interesting thing about Hot Thirty Three is is and, and and what I like about it is it's about something incredibly complicated, and it's about an unusual story. Uh, you know, and it's it, it is a kind of uh, show for geeks, and it is a show for nerds. But comedy-wise, and the, the the thing that brings people to it and to listen to it is, it's we recognise that class aspect of it, and that, that's mm. uh, that's what it has. So yeah, that's that that's what that's what's it about? And and I I kind of felt before today, you know we talked about that enough but actually this episode has been a really good example of how you need to think more about you really really need to think about it, and you need to be testing it every uh, along the way the whole time about what you're what's it about what what has it become it's the same show but you know when it comes to writing the whole script you it's got a big different slightly different theme running through it and that's the thing that I've talked about before where, you know, like if I was going to walk to James's house from my house um, and um, I was kind of 0.01 of a degree out at this point, uh, I'd be more or less heading towards the West Country from London. Um, but by the time I've gone 100 miles, I'll be like sort of 50 miles. Uh, I'll, I'll have missed your place completely. I'll be in Cardiff or something. Um, so that's the, the the what's it about and the what's it really about is a similar thing you know is it a, is it a fish out of water sitcom uh if so you know when you're writing your first draft have this little post-it note it's fish out of water and look at that every day before you go and start writing it if you're not writing about a fish out of water uh in that day's work that you've done then you're writing a different sitcom yeah 
it's um it's 42 hours to walk from your house to my house by the way according <laughs> to google maps thank um, you and thank it's, you so it's i'm glad to know that you're doing uh, important um research while i'm uh, 128 miles yeah. <laughs> um yeah the, the now um so you've written a couple of blogs on this yeah. and I, i'm i feel like i should ask you the question that literally no one's asking but i can because i've got it in front of me <laughs> is why on earth you mentioned keir starmer <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Well, um, that is a very good question. I'm glad you asked me that. He said, uh, being a politician, um, Keir Starmer is the uh, some of you who are non-English uh, listeners. In fact, probably a lot of other people because he's uh, uh, not very high profile. But he's basically the leader of the opposition uh, in Britain, and um, you know. Uh, uh, He's not terrible, <laughs> you know. He's not. Uh, he's not he hasn't done anything. He's not wrong. embarrassing. I mean, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn had an air of like, "Wow, is he in charge <laughs> of that lot? Oh, wow, that's how did that happen?" Let's not get into that. Uh, the the, the Michael Foot kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, um, we won't get into that. But but Keir Starmer seems yeah. competent and, Starmer, and reasonable. And, and Keir Starmer seems competent, and the the British government, whether you're a conservative or not, most most people look at the current British Prime Minister and think, you know incompetence is the key is the byword really on chaos that, and, yeah you know and it is chaos and, and and people just cannot understand why is Keir Starmer not massively more popular and so the, every day in the newspapers or on Twitter or whatever there is a, there is a new piece of advice what Keir Starmer must do and um, to, today uh, Keir Starmer in order to you know what you need to do is you need to talk about Brexit you know, and then the next day he'll get something is, whatever you do, Keir Starmer, just don't talk about Brexit, okay? And he just keeps getting these, you know, I, I hope he doesn't read newspapers because he'd be probably being driven insane if he did. You know, he's be, he keeps being given like a million bits of advice and um, they all contradict each other. Um, and so it, it, you can get, I mean, this, coming back to what we're talking about, you know, when you show people your script, be, be clear that the people that you show the script to, what what you want from them, and and as I say, if it is like a member of your family or someone you know, someone who's who loves you or whatever, you know, you don't want them to say, "Oh, this is not very good, is it?" Um, you want, <laughs> you know, what what are we going to do? You know, our life is over. Go and get a proper job. Um, you want them to say yeah i kind of get what you're doing here that's all that's what you want from them you don't want their views on jokes okay they don't know you don't want their views on character arcs um you just want them to read it and go yeah i get the story i get this or something uh if you know someone who knows about jokes knows what jokes are like ask them to read it and say you know, do you think it's funny and you know so get you choose when you choose to give your script to somebody, you know you're you're the one who gets to choose the sort of advice that you you want from it, um, and just don't expect to sort of put it out there and get, you know, everybody saying the same thing. And even within the the expert world, and this is a, a get out clause as well for 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 me and James, um, you know, when we make suggestions for rewrites, and you know it might. They, the script might get worse, <laughs> you know, to um, not put too fine a point on it, you know. And 
we kind of say yeah i mean we're not we we can't tell you what to do and i do occasionally get people say to me when i write a script they say you know well do, do you think that that joke there is funny or do you think that i should do it and i sort of say look i'm not that, that that's not really much use for me to say that i'll, I'll say I don't think this character is working. Uh, this character needs you want to know what they want, what they get, etc. I, I, you're you you are the one who has to decide that, and you might find that you don't know, you know, or you might find that plot's not working, and you sort of start to pick at it, pick away at it, and it falls apart, and you know the whole script is just a a, a mess of you know unpicked mm. sweater. Um, and uh, not my fault gov i you know i'm trying not to take responsibility here i understand but but the, that is a sad reality that you know that maybe the script wasn't ever going to be uh strong enough robust enough to kind of go through the processes it needs to go through and the rewriting it needs to go through to get to the next stage and the next stage and the next stage I, mean, I think it's just worth maybe rounding off by talking about notes and if you do get notes, how you respond to them. Um, and the thing that I always say when I give notes is uh, the preface essentially that I hope these notes are helpful. I w I'm always trying to create the best version of your show. You know, I, I want I want your show to be I don't want to I don't want to tell you I would prefer it if it were more like this or more like that. What, what I would prefer to watch on TV doesn't really make any difference. What I'm trying to do is help someone do the best version of their show. And I may be able to, I may have to sort of say, I think you're trying to square a circle by making this character uh, funny in this situation. I think you're going to have a hard time selling that. But never, I, you know, I'm experienced enough at least to know that there are plenty of shows that shouldn't work but do, you know. So uh, one needs to be humble when giving notes. But the thing I always say is, look, I'm hoping that the notes I've told you, I've, I've put a voice on something that you've secretly been suppressing. There's a whole bit in the middle here which doesn't really work and no one's ever said that and you've managed to avoid that fact. Okay, well, I'm calling you on it. The middle bit doesn't work. You know, you thought it didn't. You thought you'd gotten away with it and you haven't. So fix it. Okay, which is a very non-specific note, but that's kind of a generic version of, of that. But then the other thing is... Um, essentially the characters the character isn't making their own isn't the author of their own downfall and that i think is why the middle bit doesn't work oh okay yes so you knew the middle bit didn't work we didn't know why and i'm i'm sort of I, and i address a note somewhere else or say this character or that character and suddenly it transpires this all happens in the middle and that's why the middle bit is a bit meh um so hopefully you know but you, you the thing is you might not agree with the notes. You might just say, no, no, that the whole show is about that joke. How can you not see that the whole show is about that joke? To which the answer would be, well, it's obviously clear that I didn't spot the whole show was about that joke. So that's a problem. So keep the joke if you like, um, but it doesn't feel like the show is building up to that joke. And that this is the quintessential expression of that show in the shape of one joke. Because, you know, you've set up a show um, in a bike factory. And then there's this scene in a cake shop next door. 
and you've said that it's all about the cake shop. So why do we spend the first 15 pages in the bike factory? Um, that That's strange to me. Well, so, okay. So that's probably where the problem is, is you've sort of set it up wrong. Um, or you've set it up and you've given the impression it's about this and it's about that. And um, so overall, you know, if somebody says, I think there's a problem here, they may not know why the problem is there. But the fact is, if it bumps, it's a problem. Um, if it's just a, oh, I don't know, the script just feels a bit, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's no kind of a note. I would have much preferred this show if it was set on an aircraft carrier. I mean, anyone who says that, you know, should, should have their pens removed permanently. Um, they shouldn't be allowed to type um, for saying something so idiotic because it's just a complete personal taste, value, judgment that's no, of no help. Um, if they can say, it just feels like it needs to be confined in an area. Is there any way that you could have this kind of idea in a submarine where they're really forced to be together? Well, that may be a helpful thing to say, um, albeit slightly infuriating. Um, so be at liberty to take the notes that really resonate and to ignore other ones. But bear in mind that the notes that you ignore, they've still, there's still a problem there. They didn't just blow past it. They didn't laugh at the joke properly or they didn't understand the plot twist or they didn't, it didn't work for them. So think about it. And it may be that the problem's before or after, but think about it. But going back to the thing that triggered this partly is when, when you've already had a set of notes and then they then say, I don't like the, I don't like this whole bit with the helicopter. If you said, well, you said the bit before with the plane didn't work. So I changed it to a helicopter. It's like, okay, uh, don't do that. They probably don't remember saying it. They've probably script edited 15 scripts since they've done it. They were trying to help. You tried it another way and it didn't work. Okay, you don't need to be defensive about it. Um, and occasionally I've given people a bum steer and I've realized it and I've said in the, in the third batch of notes, I was wrong to suggest the ice cream parlor thing. Um, I don't think it works. Sorry about that. Um, but that doesn't happen very often. And I don't always remember that I, I'm the cause of the problem. But the point was, I was trying to address a problem that needed to be fixed. And I happened to not come out with a solution. It's not my job to come out with a solution. I'm the script editor, not the writer. That's your job. What, what but, I, I was going to say, sorry, what, what, what I do in that uh, sort of situation, to, and, and again, I am slightly covering my, my arse in so doing, but I'm kind of... Um, I will maybe suggest, uh, for example, you might think that an ice cream parlour might be a good place for this, or uh, or a coffee shop, or, or 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 a kind of you know organic beers mini you know mini micro brewery, you know. So I'm I'm trying to kind of just just break break you out of where you think you are, but not to be proscriptive. I'm just trying to say yeah. here are here are the alternative ways of looking at this i try and i yeah. sort of try and sell myself as a more a, as a signpost rather than a you know kind of um an instructor um you know there there are many ways. and i remember again we talked about stephen moffat before but you know his uh, he talks about how yeah i love writing the script uh, all the time when there are still 400 possible uh, places for the script to go but some point i'm going to have to settle on the one story that's going to get me to the end and that's mm. he said that's the really hard bit you know and uh yeah. i think that's a great great point you know yeah 
Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, just, just, just to kind of one of the reasons that I'm spending a lot of time uh, thinking about rewriting, I think I thought I should just uh, mention this at this point, is that I am going, I, I've done a lot of these uh, first draft um, sitcom courses and a lot of the people who've done the first draft courses have said, you know, what about doing a course for doing rewrites? And I've always kind of not done that because I've always thought, I don't know, that's not, it's it's hard to do something general because every script is different. So, but I'm I'm going to try and do something, and in November I'm going to be running like a sort of four week correspondence course where I'm planning to read uh, read your script, your first draft, and sort of work with a few people individually on their scripts and and specifically th those scripts and try and and, and work out from the beginning what, what what's what's working what isn't working what do we need to change how do we resolve it and then we're going to kind of work through this uh and and, and actually you know so if you've got a script that you're uh you, you want to do a, a, a rewrite or you're really kind of ready to do that then um you know come come to my uh website and um have a look on my um dave cohen so what's your website dave uh, and I, I mentioned it. It's one of my new courses that I'm running from November. So I just missed your website. What's it called? Uh, yeah, davecohen.org.uk. And on Twitter, you are Dave Cohen Comedy. And on Twitter, I am Sitcom Geek. And I'm also that James Carey as well. I have two handles. And Dave and I are Sitcom Geeks on mm. Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook where occasionally, uh, even if you f sign up to follow us on Facebook, uh, they might occasionally deign to show you some of the things we actually put up. But if you want to get a bit closer, then there is a Facebook group that is for Patreons. So that might be an extra incentive to join us on Patreon, to be part of a Facebook group uh, where we kind of chip in and talk to each other about this, that and the other sitcom related normally. Um, but also there's an extra episode per month uh, which is a Q&A with Dave and I on Zoom, uh, which we release to Patreons as, a, as an extra bonus episode. Plus, we record extra episodes where we look at the first 10 pages of your script, which is often where many of these gremlins and problems can be found. Uh, if you join at that level, then we'll read that first 10 pages. So look out for that. Go over to Patreon. If you Google Sitcom Geeks Patreon, uh, then I don't think you'll find any imposters. I think that will be us. And uh, actually, also on. at this point, we've got a, a, an interview we did with a, with the original guru of comedy writing, uh, a man called John Vorhouse, American writer, who wrote the first book about how to write sitcom back in 1994, when there was no such thing as a, an industry of how to write books. And he, he's been doing it for 25 years. So it's a fantastic interview. Uh, and if you sign up for Patreon, you get to listen to that. Um, we, we, we'll be releasing it straight away yes so um so and the folks who've listened to that have just said it's really really helpful and he really puts his finger on some some brilliant uh things there so i think we're done dave is that fair yeah i think so thank you all very much for listening and we'll speak to you next time cheerio thank you very much bye-bye